At this time, I would invite those who are young in age to head out to godly play. Go on. We don't want to see you anymore. We're done with you today. <laughs> I'm just kidding, Hank. I would invite the congregation to join me in Mark's Gospel this morning. Mark, Mark's Gospel, chapter 10. We, we have, as Julie mentioned, been having uh, some Facebook posts going out. Uh, if you uh, have noticed those and, and appreciated them, I invite you to share, like, and obey all that you read. I, I would just caution you uh, for this season to only share church Facebook posts and baby pictures. There's a lot of other stuff on Facebook that, that doesn't need to be shared, doesn't need to be liked, so... Make it a Lenten discipline, nay. Make it a, a 2020 discipline that I will only share church Facebook posts and baby pictures. Okay? Some of you are reading between the lines there. I appreciate that. So, Mark's Gospel, chapter 10, we'll begin reading in the 32nd verse. Hear now the word of the Lord. They were on the road going to Jerusalem. And Jesus was walking ahead of them. They were amazed at those who were following were afraid. He took the twelve again and began to tell them what was going to happen to him, saying, See, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be handed over to the chief priests and the scribes, and they will condemn him to death. Then they will hand him over to the Gentiles, and they will mock him and spit upon him and flog him and kill him. And after three days, he will rise again. James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came forward to him and said to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. And he said to them, What is it that you want me to do for you? And they said to him, Grant us one to sit at your right hand and one to sit at your left. But Jesus said to them, You do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink from the cup that I drink? Are you able to be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? And they replied, We are able. Then Jesus said to them, The cup that I drink, you will drink. And with the baptism with which I am baptized, you will be baptized. But to sit at my right hand and my left is not for me to grant, but it is for those who has been it, it has been prepared. When the ten heard this, they began to be angry with James and John. So Jesus called to them again and said, You know that among the Gentiles, those whom they recognize as their rulers lord it over them, and their great ones are tyrants over them. But it is not so among you. But whoever wishes to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wishes to be first among you must be a slave to all. For the Son of Man came not to serve, but to serve. Came not to be served, but to serve, and to give His life a ransom for many. They came to Jericho, and He and His disciples and a large crowd were leaving Jericho. Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, a blind beggar, was sitting by the roadside. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout and say, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. Many sternly ordered him to be quiet, but he cried out even more loudly, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stood still and said, Call him here. 
And they called the blind man, saying to him, Take heart, get up, he is calling you. So throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. Then Jesus said to him, What do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said, My teacher, Rabuni, let me see. And Jesus said to him, Go, your faith has made you well. Immediately he regained his sight and followed him on the way. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. And now, O holy God, send forth your word the very same Jesus Christ, our Lord, empowered by your Holy Spirit this day that we may hear and that we may follow. Amen. Jesus is on the move. Mark is, is, a, is a little different gospel. It's, it's probably the first gospel that was written. It's the shortest gospel. And Mark lacks some of the things that the other gospels have. Mark has none of the, the long teaching passages. You know, Matthew has the Sermon on the Mount. Luke has the Sermon on the Plain. John, not, not plain, by the way, but, but flat plain. You're with me, right? John has, has this long walk through Jerusalem on the night in which Jesus was betrayed where he spends time talking. Mark has, has none of that. In Mark, Jesus is too busy to stop and sit and talk for three chapters. Jesus is on the move. He's going from this place to that. He's, he's jumping from that place over here immediately. That's, that's one of Mark's favorite words. Immediately, Jesus goes here and goes there. He is always Going. There seems to be something about this God that just can't stay put. Just when you think, Jesus, you've got Him figured out, He, he pops up in all these crazy places. This morning we find Jesus on the move in Jericho. Jericho was a beautiful place, an oasis in the desert full of palm trees and springs and lush day spas. Everyone was walking around with cucumbers on their eyes because that does something. Back in the day, Jericho was such a nice place to live that they had to, had to put a wall around it to keep the riffraff out. You know, that riffraff like those Hebrew slaves that only knew how to make bricks. But time goes on and, and life moves and, and places that used to be so choice seems to sometimes sour. Throughout the years, Jericho's reputation had fallen and it, it became somewhat of a tourist trap. Some of you have traveled up and down I-95. And you know right there at the border between North and South Carolina is a place. You, you won't miss it because there are signs 100 miles north and 100 miles south. And there, when you come around the curve, you see the giant sombrero of south of the border. Carnival hustlers in the guise of family entertainment. It's a hard trip from Jericho to Jerusalem. 
You ascend nearly 3,000 feet in the course of a few miles. The terrain is rocky, the road is narrow, there are bandits and sharp turns. It's no wonder that the Good Samaritan found a man robbed on the way to Jericho. And so people got in the habit of stopping by to to do the the things you do at rest stops, to fill up the camel, to go to the toilet, to, to buy supplies. It doesn't matter how old or mature you are. We all look like insane children that got a hold of our parents' credit card when we're buying supplies for road trips. Giant styrofoam cups of sodas. Two and three candy bars. Beef jerky. The length of your arm. Jesus, though, is on the move. And he does not stop. In the course of one verse, verse 46, Jesus shows up in the Jericho. He takes in all the sights, and he heads right back out. There is no pictures with the giant ball of spring. There is no attempts to move the world's largest gorilla. There's there's no stopping for refreshing Blenheim's ginger ale. Jesus shows up. He grabs a few brochures, and he heads right back out, for Jesus is always on the move. And then something interesting happens. He's leaving the gates. He he sees the road ahead of him. This same Jesus that's always on the move. This same Jesus that never stays in the same place. This same Jesus that can never be pinned down or confined. This same Jesus that won't take the time to climb the big sombrero. This Jesus hears the shouts of a blind man. And he stops. Verse 49 says, Jesus stood still. It's as if this rolling, frenetic, whiplashing gospel comes to a screeching halt all because of a blind man's cry. The people had tried to stop him. They had tried to to hush him so that Jesus could keep moving. They knew that that Jesus was an important guy who had to get up to Jerusalem. The crowds tried to keep him quiet, but some people just don't know the decent thing to do. Here is Bartimaeus hollering away. And here is Jesus standing still. Mark had been some time preparing us for this moment. There are little hints that that pop up along the way to give us a clue that something is building, something is happening. Way back in in chapter 8, Jesus heals another blind man. Except it doesn't quite work, it doesn't quite stick. And and Jesus says, can you see in the blind man like at the doctor's office when you're getting your eye checked? He says, no, not quite. I see people, but they're walking around like trees. In between that healing of a blind man and this other story of a blind man, Jesus gives three predictions, three teachings about the passion, three times to talk about the suffering Messiah. Only each time that Jesus talks to His disciples, they don't get it. They're like that blind man who sees but can't quite make out what they're seeing. They they hear, but they do not understand. In the words of the Apostle Paul, they see, but in a glass dimly. The final teaching comes in verse 32. The disciples, the group, was, was on their way going up to Jerusalem. 
And Jesus turns to this ragtag group and he says, Fellas, just so you know, when we get up to the top of the mountain, the, the chief priests are going to arrest me. Some Gentiles are going to beat on me. And when they get around to it, they're going to kill me. You know, nothing ruins a, a good road trip like the sound of impending doom. But the disciples don't seem to notice. They seem oblivious to the dueling banjos that are playing behind the words. Jesus wants to prepare them. He, he wants to talk about where discipleship means. He wants to say, this is what following me looks like. But all James and John want to do is secure themselves. They want greatness. They want security, status, influence. And you can almost hear the, the pathos, the, the sadness, the emotion in Jesus' words when, when with downcast face He says, are you able to drink from the cup that I drink from? Stupid disciples. Yes, we are. The glory that Jesus seeks just doesn't fit in what they want. It's not surprising. Jesus' disciples, they, they miss the point. We, of course, miss the point as well. There's an old hymn we used to sing. We'd sing, Are you able, says the Master, to be crucified with me? And the chorus responds, Yes, Lord, we are able. We miss the point just like James and John. To be fair, that's why we come back to church, though. That's, that's why I come back to church. Because in my mind, from Monday through Saturday, I, I get lulled into thinking that, you know what, I can do it. I can make it. I can secure myself. I can be all that I can be. I need to be reminded week in and week out that what I want what I see, how I want the world to work isn't the way that Jesus sees it. Jesus talks about flogging and death in Jerusalem and all I want, all we want is glory and recognition. We want status and influence. Jesus pulls His group of misunderstanding disciples aside and says, don't be like those Gentiles. Those Gentiles who love fame and glory and power and influence, when, when they do it, they lift up tyrants to be their rulers. Do not forget that we are in the midst of elect, an election year where we are inundated with political ads, each candidate promising the same message, vote for me, I can fix it. All that ails you and troubles you, I can make it better. Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? And I jump up with my hand raised, hollering, saying, oh, I know, when you kick out all the bad people, which means when you kick out all the people I don't like, make sure you give me a place right in the front row. Mark had been preparing us for this moment. Walking out of, out of Jericho on the way to Jerusalem, Jesus Here's a blind beggar, and he stops. 
He calls out and he asks the man the same question he had asked to James and John. He asks the same question he had asked to his closest disciples, his strongest supporters. He asks the same question that he did for those who had been following him, hearing his teaching, seeing the miracles, witnessing his life. And yet when asked, they go after greatness and recognition. And here's Bartimaeus. He had never seen Jesus. He had never witnessed a miracle. He had never been in His presence. And He cries out for mercy. The Greek actually kind of switches things in just a slightly different order. It has Bartimaeus crying out, Son of David, Jesus, have mercy on me. The Son of David comes first there as a recognition of Christ's messianic title. This blind beggar knows who he's calling out to. Have mercy on me. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asks. Rabuni, teacher, I want to see. Notice that the down at the end of this story in verse 52, Jesus doesn't actually heal the man. He doesn't touch him. He doesn't spit on him which he did, you know, he had a bad habit of doing that. He doesn't even pray to the Father and ask for anything. The man is healed. You see, for Mark, and I think for blind Bartimaeus, he's not actually the one who's blind. He has sight that the followers of Christ, those in the crowd, we, he has sight that we don't. He sees that this man, Jesus, is not a miracle worker. He's not a a great teacher. He's not even a conqueror that's going to make his followers rulers over their enemies. He sees Jesus as the risen Lord, the coming Messiah. That word, Rabuni, it only happens one other place in the Gospel of Mark. There in the garden tomb, Mary, in the moment when she recognizes the resurrected Lord, calls out, Rabuni. Bartimaeus sees. But look what happens next in, in verse 51 at the very end. Jesus says, what do you want me to do? And, and the blind man said to him, teacher, let me see. And Jesus said to him, go, your faith has made you well. And immediately, immediately, he regains his sight and followed him on the way. It's not so much that Jesus heals Bartimaeus. Yes, the beggar gets his sight back. But I think what this story is all about is not actually the healing, it's it's about the calling. Jesus calls to this one who recognizes who He is. When all of the others had missed the point, He calls out to this one to follow Him. To go up with Him to Jerusalem. To the cross. To service. My friends, God is on the move. He is out there in front of us blazing a new trail, readying the harvest ripe. And He is calling us to follow Him, to leave behind our cloaks, our security, our blindness, 
to leave behind our silly quest to make our name great upon the earth and to follow. But following Jesus isn't easy. Because He goes to places we, me, we don't want to go. He's going to leave the plush comfort of Jericho and walk up that hard road to the cross. For us today, that road begins just like it did for Bartimaeus. Not with quest for greatness, but for cries for mercy. Let us pray. Son of David, Jesus Christ, our Lord, have mercy on us. O Lord, though we have walked with you for years, sometimes it seems we are still blinded like those disciples. We are still distracted by worldly claims and earthly desires for greatness and security, for power and influence. May we, O oh Lord, learn from Bartimaeus and take this place of humility. And may, O oh God, when we hear your call, may we follow all the way to the cross. I would invite the congregation to join me standing as we close our service this day by being reminded of his grace that leads into life.